I'm excited about this series that we're in. This is week two. We're talking about something very serious. The Bible says a lot about it, especially in the New Testament, especially uh, as we see, we're going to see in the epistles, it talks a lot about it. Uh, and it's about how to develop a strong spirit. Paul said to his letter to the church of the Thessalonians, um, he said, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body, he mentioned spirit, soul, and body. In another portion of scripture, he said that we're to glorify God in our spirit and in our body, which belong to him. We know that man is a three-part being, right? The Bible is very clear on that. We are a spirit being. We possess a soul, which is comprised of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now, we separate these things to study, but they're all an integrated system, right? You are a spirit and you possess a soul, but you live in a body, you have to have a physical body in order to live on the earth, right? Yes. That's why when Jesus came, he took upon himself flesh because to legally, remember that story he told, he said, you know, the thief comes in another way. Jesus didn't come in a wrong way. Satan came in a wrong way. But Jesus, he took upon himself flesh. He laid down his godly attributes and he lived on this earth as a man anointed by God. He had to do that so that he could legally be on the planet. Right? When a person dies, if you look at the Bible word for death, it doesn't mean that you cease to exist. No one who's ever lived will ever cease to exist. Every person is alive today from Adam and Eve on. But you know, like you've heard me say, eternity is a lot like real estate. Everything is location, 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 right? So what happens, this is like a gigantic airport, planet Earth. There are arrivals, people, babies being born all the time, every day. There's departures. Today, there's been departures all over the Earth. What happened when people departed? Well, if they had given their life to Christ and received him as their Lord and received that sacrifice where he took their place, so, so Jesus was their Lord, what happened in the Bible, death is, it literally means to be separated, to separate. And what that means is when a person physically dies, all that happens is their spirit comes out of their body and their spirit and soul if they know God as their Lord, as Lord and Savior, if they've been born again, they are immediately in the presence of God. The Bible's very clear on that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If, if a person has lived their own life and done their own thing, and, and see, people think people go to hell because of what they've done, and that's not true. They go to hell because of who they are. God never made hell for man. It was never his plan for man to go there. That was made very specifically in the word of God for Satan and his fallen angels. God, if you really look at scriptures, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He literally tries to woo them their whole life. He says to them, listen, you, because of Adam's sin, sin came into this earth realm. Death came in by sin. Man was separated from God. But I sent my son and he took your place. He paid the price. Did the Roman soldiers nail him to the cross? Well, physically they did, but what really nailed him to the cross was my sin, was your sin. The Bible says the sins of the whole world were condemned in the body of Jesus. And if a person will receive that sacrifice, then they're called what the Bible calls born from above, born again. They're made a brand new spirit, alive. They're a child of God. And so they're identified with him when they cease from the earth. When they step out of their body, they go to be with him. But if they choose, remember what Jesus said? He looked at people, religious leaders, and he says, guys, you are of your father, the devil. Why is that? Because the, by their choice, God created man with a will. He won't violate a man's will. 
And if a person chooses, no, I am not going to bow my life to Jesus Christ and invite him to be my Lord and be born again, if I want to live my own life, they will go down. Where is hell? Well, it's very clear in the Bible. It's in the center of the earth. So they go to where Satan ultimately will be. They're identified with him, right? Well, we don't want anybody to go there. God, the Bible's very clear. God's, it's God's will that everybody be saved. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but this is so necessary because most even believers don't realize that they're a spirit. I'm not a body, right? I live in a body, and, and I'm to take care of that body, and I'm to glorify God in that body, right? And if I haven't, I could repent, and I could change some behaviors and whatever, but I am a spirit and it's so important, like what we said last week, that we become spiritually fit. And the Bible talks about two things, two main things that causes your spirit to be developed so that it gets strong. Strong on the inside, right? Although we age physically because we don't have our glorified bodies yet, right? Someday we'll have that. But right now, we're brand new on the inside, but now I've got to renew my mind with the word of God, but I've also got to believe God, and he's provided healing, and he's provided some things for me so I could live strong and live long on this earth. But my body's decaying, right? So, so this, is, this is just a fact of life. I'm growing old on the outside, but I'm to be growing strong on the inside. And so it's very important. You do not grow strong on the inside because you've been in church for a period of time. You could literally be in church for 40 years, every service, and be a baby Christian, right? Because spiritual growth is not a function of time. So we're learning that we have to nourish our spirits. We have to get strong in spirit. We learned last week that the spirit of a man will literally sustain him in, in a weakness or in a sickness or in an infirmity. We see pictures in the Bible where people, like could you imagine John, the guy who wrote the Gospel of John, right? He penned it. God breathed it. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He was the disciple that Jesus loved, right? He was probably, when he ran into Jesus, him and his brother, when they ran into Jesus, they were probably, John was anywhere, they figure, from 13 to 16 years old, right? So here he is, Domitian is the Caesar of the day, and Domitian is, is ticked at this guy. Because he will not bow and proclaim Caesar as God. And he says, listen, if you don't do it, I'm going to boil you in oil. Yeah. And what they would do is they would take a metal chair and they would literally lock them in. And they would lower them in a vat of boiling oil. And you could imagine being the Romans, they would start and, you know, could you imagine boiling oil, how that would feel if it hit your feet? And they'd let that, they'd just let you sit there for a little while while your feet cook. Could you imagine when John, who's strong in spirit, history tells us that they boiled him in oil. I mean, they put his, his feeder in there. Now it's up to his knee. John's looking at Domitian. I'm still not going to bow. Not in pain. Domitian's getting mad. Keep it going. Well, how many of you can breathe underneath water, let alone underneath oil? So he's completely immersed, and then they pull him up. But now what would normally happen, hopefully he didn't eat dinner too close to right now, but what would happen is they would pull that body out of the vat of boiling oil, and usually all of the, all of the meat, skin, everything would have just fallen off, and you just have a skeleton. Could you imagine Domitian when he pulls John up and he's still alive? And he's like, hey, thank you. My skin's nice and soft, right? 
I'm just teasing. That's the Tony Finley edition, right? <laughs> Got so mad that he sent him to the island of Patmos. It was a place where they would take political refugees, people that came against the government, and it was kind of a prison out on an island. I've been on that island. I've been in where they think the cave was where John saw Jesus and was given the book of Revelation. But literally, he was there. Domitian died, and then he was set free and went back to Ephesus. It's really kind of amazing. Some of the, some of the feats, things that happened in the Bible by people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King, listen. Let me answer your question. I'm not bowing to this God figure that you made. Right? And so, here's the deal. You asked me a question. Who is that God who would deliver you? Listen, if you throw me in the fiery furnace, my God, he will... He's able to deliver me, and he will deliver me. But if you don't, if you decide not to throw me in, we're still not bowing. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar, you might be the most powerful person on the earth to people's standards, but you're not the man. God is the man. And that's what we're talking about, where you could live in chaos on the outside and still be at peace on the inside. Where no longer are you trying to be strong in yourself, but now you're strong in the Lord. And that's the way we're to live as Christians. So let's look at this and let's talk about this. We're going to take our time in this series. I started out with 27 pages of notes. I've whittled it down to 18 for tonight, but we won't get to 18. That's okay, but you'll have to just come back next week. So we'll just keep going with this. And I'll have many more probably. So let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 6. We looked at this that last week, and I want you to pull this up in the Amplified Classic version because it really brings out the Greek parenthetical definitions. 1 Timothy 4, 6 in the Amplified Classic, it says this, Paul talking to a young pastor, Timothy, he says this, if you lay all these instructions before the brethren, you'll be a worthy steward and a good minister of Christ Jesus. And then he says this, Timothy, ever nourishing your own self. Now see, tonight, I'm preaching. The Holy Spirit is the teacher but whether you'll be nourished by this or not, you nourish yourself. You're going to have to choose, am I going to hear this and do it and act on it or not? So, so this is why Jesus said things like this. Listen, whosoever will, let him come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is for everybody, but God doesn't force anything on anybody. Nourishing your own self on what? How do you nourish your own self. What is he saying? Your own self, your spirit man. How do you nourish this spirit man? On the truths of the faith and of the good Christian instruction which you have closely followed. You nourish yourself as we're going to see there's one spiritual food on the planet. One spiritual food. And here it is. It's the word of God. You could call this a book, but if you call this a book, you probably don't know anything about God. This is spiritual food. This is the logos, the word, the written word. It reveals Jesus, the living word, and as you speak the word of God, that is the rhema word. But it's the only thing that will cause your spirit to be nourished and grow. It's the only thing. Could you imagine trying to work out without any nourishment? Could you imagine even trying to live your life with no nourishment physically? You couldn't go very long, right? Well, there's Christians that never read the word of God, never meditate in scriptures, 
and they're wondering why nothing seems to be working and they actually think that this whole thing that we're doing is called a religion. Where in reality, it's called a relationship. This is an intimate relationship. This is eternal life, John 17, 3. Eternal life, Jesus said. Right before he went to the cross, he said, this is, this is life eternal, that you would know the one true God and that you would know Jesus Christ whom he sent. Eternal life. Now we're talking, he just defined eternal life, which is what we call the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E, life. That is the essence and quality of life that God has. Jesus said in John 10, 10, listen, the enemy's down here, Satan's down here, and his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But listen, I am come that they might have Zoe life and have it more abundantly. Well, how do you get Zoe life? It comes right from here. How do you get saved? I'm saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I'm saved by grace. It was God's grace that Jesus went to the cross and died for my sins and redeemed me from the curse of the law. But I must receive through faith what he's provided for me by his grace. Now, how do I receive something through faith? Well, I have to be in faith to do that. Well, how do I do that? The only way faith comes is by hearing God's word. God's words are full of life and they're full of power. And so what happens is as I'm constantly feeding my spirit, Man, you know, my goal, I want to look like an Aaron Donald on the inside. Have you ever seen this guy? Linebacker for the L.A. Rams. Have you ever seen a picture of him without a shirt on? Six foot one, he's not very tall, six one. 284 pounds. Judging from his physique, he's probably about eight or nine percent body fat. How would you like him coming after you? He benches 500 pounds. And he's fast. And I mean, he, he's a nice guy in, as in real life. He seems really nice. But on a football field, he's like, man, I want to rip your arms off. Well, listen, that's the way God wants you and I to be spiritually. That's the way he wants you to look on the inside. Right? See, look at, so you have Nadia. You know, she's not real big physically on the outside, but this is what's cool. She could be an Aaron Donald on the inside. Yes. Or let's talk about somebody really, let's talk about some just, just crazy strong. She could be Jesus on the inside. As a matter of fact, that's what his will is. Right? God says, I want you to walk like I walk. I want the works that I did, I want you to do greater works. Why? Because I'm going to my Father. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And now, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The Bible never tells us to be strong in ourselves. It says to be strong in Him. So how, how strong am I? How strong is God? Because I'm to be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. Now, what does that look like as you get stronger? You'll always be able to tell because you'll have the ability to keep your eyes on God, Jesus, or keep your eyes on the word. I just said the same thing in the midst of chaos, in the midst of all hell breaking loose around you, it doesn't come near you. Nothing moves you. We are never to be moved from anything on the outside. Now, if you think about that, man, we live on the earth crazy things can happen to you on the earth Hello. right but i'm telling you if some bad stuff has happened to you on the earth then you learn that listen god's will is that he has a great plan for your life yes. 
right? I was just interviewed today by Dave Weber. It'll be playing on the noon Channel 6 News sometime in October. I think I'll tell you guys. But we were talking about the importance of people being planted in a church during these troublous time, troublesome times. And that's what we were talking about. We're like, listen, this is God. He meets you right where you are. And then what he does is he takes all the chaos and he brings peace into your life. That's who God is. As you're in the earth, as you're in Omaha, you and I have the answer. And the answer to everything is Jesus. We live in perilous times, right? 2 Timothy 3.1, in the final days, which are right now, perilous times shall come. He said perilous times shall come. That was written almost 2,000 years ago. Perilous times are not on their way, they're here. And that word perilous means they're dangerous, they're difficult, and they're strength-reducing times. And I'm telling you, though, but the Bible tells me that when the enemy comes in, what God wants is like a flood. The Spirit of God will stand up and raise a standard. That no, the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. That God, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, always causes you to triumph, right? 2 Corinthians 2, 14, he always causes you to, or he always gives you the victory, always causes you to triumph in Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's God's word. So he says, listen, Timothy, I want you to nourish your own self on these truths. And then he says in verse 7, he says, but refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions. Avoid them. Why? Because that's like eating junk food. Right? I have a friend who's a trainer and this guy's in phenomenal shape. But you know what his cheat meal is? He loves McDonald's. I'm like, if I was his competitor, I would just follow him around and wait till he was eating that Big Mac, and then I'd put that on the internet. Are you sure you want him to train you? But the thing is, he doesn't eat McDonald's very often. Right? Because there's no way you can have that level of strength or agility or be, in, be fit and have a diet like that. So this is kind of junk food, right? Profane and impure and godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales, silly myths, and express your disapproval of them. But then he says this, train yourself towards godliness, well, that's a new phrase. You never hear that. You have to train yourself towards godliness. I have this machine. I need to be on it more. I did it for one minute today. thought I was going to die. Because I, I, I went from my elliptical. I did 20 minutes on my elliptical. I was doing pretty good. You know, I'm just sweating a little bit. Then I went to this thing. It's called the Helix. It's a lateral trainer. I think actually it probably should be pronounced the Helix because I did four minutes on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Right? And then I went over to the VersaClimber. And this thing is like torture. I did one whole minute. It was like the slowest minute of my life. And then I'm like, okay, I need a break. So I just went two and a half miles on a treadmill, just, <laughs> right? But I burnt over 700 calories, so that was good, right? It's amazing how many calories you could burn when you're not in shape. So anyway, but, uh, but I'll get there. But you have to train yourself towards godliness. Man, I think about the way that I used to train. Crazy. 75-pound weight vest, I'd run... In Decatur, I'd run this three-mile course that was hills. And I would, I, would, I would go to a football field, and I would, I would do 25. I'd sprint 100 yards and jog back, then sprint 25 times in a row, and working out with weights and doing all this stuff. And then at 5 o'clock, I would go play full-court basketball in not the safest neighborhoods in the world until about 2 o'clock in the morning. 
And I think back and I'm like, wow, I used to wear a pair of shoes out every month. I'd wear a basketball out in the summer. I used to train. Like now I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't wait till I'm lifting weights as heavy as I used to warm up with. But you know what? If I train consistently, you know what? I'll get there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a month or two ago. I have these dumbbells. I used to have them go up to 150 pounds when I was younger, but now the gym I have, it goes up to 100 pounds. And I was looking at those things the other day. Well, a few months back. So I get, the, I, get the, I get the bench out, and I incline it a little bit. And I did, did it one time. 200 pounds. I'm so glad I didn't pull a peck or tear something, because it was brutal. I'm like, you know, I mean, it was ridiculous. But you know, if I keep training, I'll be able to lift that. And it won't, won't, be that, won't be that hard. Well, I shouldn't say that. 100-pound dumbbells at 59 years old, it probably will always be a little hard. But that's okay. It's all kind of relative. But you know what I'm saying. So why am I saying this? You have to train yourself towards godliness. You need to learn how to do sets of speaking life over yourself, of speaking the word of God when your flesh wants to say something else. Amen. You know, that, that's, that, that's, that's a helix machine. When you're really, really upset and you're really looking at this thing and it looks like it is not working out and you're going, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're training yourself towards godliness. When somebody slaps you with an email or a look or something and, and you turn and you're like, your flesh wants to go a certain way and then you just respond in love, you're training yourself towards godliness. That's what we're talking about. Keeping, it says keeping yourself spiritually fit. See, you want to be spiritually fit. Right? Because if you get in some situations, and here's, here's, you have a personal trainer right on the inside of you if you're a Christian. He's called the mighty Holy Spirit, and he knows exactly what's coming in your life. And he will get you ready. He'll get you spiritually fit, so in the midst of chaos, you'll walk in victory towards it. If you'll notice Jesus, nothing moved him. God does not want anything to move you that's in this world. That's why we must talk about these things. It says, for physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way. Why? For it holds the promise for this present life and also for the life which is to come. In other words, your physical training in this life is very important because you need to keep your body fit because without your body, you can't be on the planet. But it's not going to do you any good in eternity. Does that make sense? But don't worry. I mean, with a glorified body, you're going to be okay. And if you still love to work out, I wouldn't doubt that you probably can still work out, but it might be just a lot better. But then after that, man, there's some food in heaven that tastes better than anything down here. I mean, Benihana is really good down here, but up there, Benihana divine, man, there's no carbs in this stuff, right? I'm just joking with you. But see... Your godliness, what you're doing right now, will carry into eternity. Guys, religion has little pictures of people floating on clouds playing a harp. But that's not, that's not it. No, no, God's got a purpose. God's got a big purpose for us in eternity. This is like dress rehearsal down here. Right? 
It says this saying is reliable, worthy of complete acceptance by everybody. In other words, a strong spirit will get you through anything you face in life. It'll get you through because it'll enable you to grab hold of the word of God and never let it go. You're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you feel. You're only moved by what you believe and you believe him. You're saying, listen, let every man be a liar. Everybody's telling you there is no way this can ever work out. And you're sitting here going, no, no, you don't understand. It might look like I failed. It might look around to everybody like that. However, my God always gives me the victory and causes me to triumph. So you just hide and watch because I already know the end. If you're in a battle that started today, you can know the end of it before you ever get very far into it. Satan, yell and scream and give me all you got. All you got is nothing compared to who I have. And see, here's the thing. When you are not strong spiritually, you're going to want to run around and tell everybody about the mountains in your life. But when you get strong spiritually by nourishing yourself, by keeping yourself spiritually fit, you will start to talk to your mountains about your God. And you'll compare everything you face to him and you won't compare any of it to you. Because see, cancer to a human being is a big deal. But cancer to God, he's greater. Right? That's right. Everything bows to the name of Jesus. So this is what we're talking about. So we have to, as Christians, focus on strengthening and building up our spirit. And we do that through nourishment in the word of God and through exercise, meditating in the word, prayer, worship. This is why it says, let me see if I, let me pull it up here. In Psalm 46.10, check it out. I mean, it's really amazing. Psalm 46, I believe it is. Verse 1, I think. Let me see. I love this scripture. Look at this. God is our refuge and strength. Who's your strength? God is. He is a very present help in times of trouble. See, the Bible says things like this in Psalm 1. It says, listen, in Psalm 1, 3, it says, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord and meditate in his word day and night, you will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. A tree gets stronger as it ages. Right? The Bible says your leaf won't wither. That means it, it, you'll always stay fresh no matter what's coming at you because you're being nourished from the inside. The word is nourishing. That's how I can remember last week we went through Proverbs chapter 4. The word of God is life to those that find it and health or medicine to all their flesh. I love the word of God. We've got Christians thinking they go to church because it's Sunday. No, 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 no. Listen, you didn't come to church tonight. The church came to a building tonight. This is not the church. This is just the building where we meet. You and I are the church. I remember when my mom was alive, she's like, you guys are on vacation and you're going to church? I'm thinking to myself, you know, Sarah and David are going, they're kind of looking like, well, of course we would go to church. You know, and we're, I'm like thinking to myself, well, I am the church. Of course I want to go fellowship with other believers. Amen. Of course, but, but the Bible says things like those that be planted in the house of God. Notice, you know, have you ever had a plant that planted themselves? Wouldn't that freak you out? You look out your window and their tree is walking. I don't want to be on this side of the front yard. I want to be over here. No, you don't see that. No, somebody plants the tree. Those that be planted in the house of God, it says they'll flourish in the courts of their God. Their life will flourish. They will be, they'll, they'll be prosperous. They will have more than enough. All of these things come as a result. Why? This is, this is where you come to get strengthened. 
But you, you take the word you get here and then you leave here, you start meditating in it, you start living it, you let the Holy Spirit start directing in your life and then he'll lead you to some other teaching and stuff and, and then you're reading your Bible, you're getting strong spiritually. All of a sudden, this addiction or these desires that were leading you away from the life of God are no longer an issue to you, right? I've told you about my friend in California that helped me in ministry years ago, when she got saved, all of a sudden she's mad at me because she's like, hey, you didn't tell me it was not right to smoke weed. <laughs> now, this was in the 80s, okay, because now you can't say that because people, it's legal almost everywhere, right? But she's like, she, she was upset. She's like, why didn't you tell me? I'm coming to church to minister with you to these middle school kids, and I'm smoking a joint before I'm getting there. And she goes, I just realized I haven't smoked a joint for like two months or whatever it was. And I'm laughing. I'm like, well, isn't it better? Isn't it better when God just takes something? I mean, how would you like to get saved? And, and the person who got you saved, okay, let's sit down. Here's the list. You're a Christian now. You better not do this and you better not do that. No, it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. This is about knowing him. Right? That's why I don't work out anybody else's salvation. I'm up to here with me. Right? Because, man, I'm driving down Dodge, and, and it's crazy how sometimes when I'm not in the greatest mood or whatever, people are always trying, they're trying to cut me off and stuff. And i got to keep my flesh under. I don't have time to keep your flesh under. I couldn't do it anyway, could I? Nope. Right? We just, see, this is about life. What is the gospel? You better, you better give your heart to Christ. You're going to burn in hell for all eternity. That's not the gospel. The gospel is, listen, God loved you so much that he sent his son and took your place and died for your sins so now you can walk free in this life and in the life to come. That's the gospel. And it's the goodness of God that causes people to repent, which means to change their mind, their will, and their purpose. So simple. Man, so this is your guys' fault. It is almost 8 o'clock, and I'm on page 2. Man. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 8. You guys are such an easy crew, because you're so hungry for the things of God. I love that. I love it. And I believe we've got a hungry crew online, too, watching tonight. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. I want to show you something that the Lord kind of brought to me about Paul. Now, if you, look, if you look earlier in his letters, at one point he said, man, we were pressed beyond measure and we despaired. But now, right after that, look at what he's saying. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. Strong faith comes out of a strong spirit. And your strength, always know this, your strength will be tied to your joy. And a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Joy is one, literally one of the fruits of your spirit. It's who you are. It's down there. You could draw it out anytime. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Have you ever felt like that? All hell's breaking loose in my life everywhere, but I'm not stressed. See, as you grow spiritually, you actually will get in situations that you get in from time to time, and you'll actually look at it and go, okay. I should really be freaking out right now. But that's crazy. I'm just not. That's, that's what happens when you strengthen your spirit. Because you're not trying to be strong in you. So here's, here, you know, I had Pastor Dave get this out for me. So 
So this is kind of like a Christian. Okay? So notice we have this battery. This is like God. So this thing, it works perfectly, right? I mean, if I do this, see, look at her hair. I mean, it's just, it, I'll, I'll pay for that later, right? See how that's working so well? But what happens, right now my wife is, she, doesn't she look, you look really cute though. It's just. So what happens though if I just do this? This is the way a lot of Christians are living. They unhook themselves. So, so here, here, I'm able to speak the word. It's just coming out of me. Right? But if I choose to try to be strong in myself and I unhook, this, it's impossible. Could, it, could this possibly ever blow air? Without the battery. And that's what God tells you and I. We are to be constantly strengthened inwardly from him. The Bible says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Boy, I hope we can get to Ephesians tonight. Ephesians chapter 6. We try... See, this is this, what this looks like here. You're going to live with a lot of inner turmoil. Why is it not working? Right? Rosita's like, don't come over here with that thing. <laughs> She's Italian. I'm not messing with her. <laughs> I'm only half Sicilian. She's like full Italian. I'm not, I'm not even going there, right? Jesus is not done with me on the planet yet, right? <laughs> and then she's a hairstylist, a real good one, so I don't want to mess with her hair, right? So this is, this is right now inner turmoil, man, because you're trying to walk by faith and it's not working. You need God to show up, but because you're like this, you don't even know that you need God to show up because you're trying to work it out yourself. The difference between failure and success is just put the battery in. Notice whether this thing really is productive or not has nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with this. And that's the same way it is spiritually for us. This is so important. Look at what Paul went on to say. We are perplexed. Now this Greek word is crazy. I mean, whenever I start to even feel bad in the ministry in any way, I think of Paul and just go, thank you. When I see him in heaven, I'm going to go, brother, thank you. I am so glad I was not you. Because this guy went through a lot. Right? I mean, this guy has been stoned. And I'm not talking about stoned. He's been really stoned. Beaten, shipwrecked. Can you say stoned like that in that context in church? Yes, you can. I just did, right? It says we are perplexed. This is the Greek word perplexed. We are at a loss. We are in a situation where we have no way out. We are in a situation where I have no, I have no way out. I have no resources I don't know which way to turn. I don't even know how to proceed. That, I'm perplexed. There's, in other words, I'm in a situation in the natural where there is no way out. It's over in the natural. But it says here, but I am not in despair. So it's, he's saying, now get this. I, I have no resources. I have no way out. There's nothing in the natural. I don't see any way, but I'm not in despair. This Greek word means I'm not utterly at a loss. I'm not utterly destitute of measures and resources. Well, time out. I'm perplexed. I have no resources. But I'm not in despair 
but I'm not destitute of resources. Are you getting this? In other words, I'm living my life and I'm not in despair. A strong spirit never gets in despair. Because when there's nothing in the natural, there's no way out, there's no resources, there's no way it could work out, a strong spirit is, looking, is not looking at the natural. It's looking at the word of God, which God opens the doors no man can shut. God makes a way where there is no way. God gives me resources right that I can't see, I can't perceive them with my senses, but I know in my spirit I already have the victory. This is what Paul is saying. A strong spirit. See, despair means it's never going to get better. When you have a strong spirit, you will never look to your future and go, it's never going to get better. If you're looking to your future and going, you know, how in the world is this going to work out? There's just no way this is going to work out. That's just a sign that you're weak spiritually, you're depleted spiritually. What do you do? Don't beat yourself up. Go get back in the word. Well, no, pastor, I'm in the word. Oh, you think you're in the word. Right? No, no, I'm talking about you run back to the word and you get your face in that book and you start surrounding yourself with people that will speak the word of God over you and you get, you get yourself built up again and all of a sudden, you might not see a way out, but you'll be smiling because you know there is a way out. That's what this is talking about. This verse is describing spiritual strength. In other words, this is the place where nothing moves me. Nothing moves my heart. See, I can't really pastor the way Jesus would want me to pastor if I'm looking at things in the natural. I'm not even to know anybody after the flesh. I'm to know everybody after the spirit. And I'm telling you, you talk about, you'll start valuing people when you see them after the Spirit. You won't see them as they might seem. You'll see them as they really are. Right? Just because you are perplexed doesn't mean you have to be in despair. Despair, discouragement, depression, these are, these are signs and symptoms of a depleted spirit. What do you mean? Could my spirit get depressed? No. But when your spirit gets depleted, now you will be living in the flesh where depression can come. But you want to you get free from depression, build your spirit. Right? Because, see, despair, you know who, you know who lives in despair? The spirit of suicide lives in despair. When all of a sudden people, they don't see any other way out except death to end their own life. But man, if we could get around them and start building their spirit, they'll realize, oh, wait a minute, that's a lie. God has a plan for my life. You know, one of the things that Dave Weber said, he's like, well, what about, you know, pastor, what about the future? What, is, what does God say about the future? Oh man, tell me. Try to, try to get me to answer that in less than two minutes. That's why you'll hear me say this all the time. God loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. You have a wonderful future. Oh Lord, Ephesians chapter one, right? Grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who? In the knowledge of him. So that the eyes of my spirit would be enlightened and I would know the hope future of my calling what is that so that i may know that god has a future for me no despair no discouragement you get discouraged in life just start feeding your spirit and all of a sudden discouragement will leave discouragement is a spirit it's demonic it lies it tells a Christian where God tells them, I always give you the victory and I always cause you to triumph. Discouragement will say, but look at your circumstances. It doesn't seem like this is working out. And that's where a Christian has to stand up and go, no, it is written, it is written, it is written. The word of God says, I am a world overcomer because I've been born of God. 
Just because you're perplexed doesn't mean that you ever have to be in despair. Peace, joy, hope, expectancy, these are qualities of a strong spirit. Peace, joy, hope. What is expectancy? That's faith. I'm, I'm living my life expecting God to show up. Spiritual strength, a strong spirit will affect your physical body. Tonight, if you are weak, I've got good news for you. You can be strong. And there is nothing on this planet that can keep you from being strong. Because all you got to do, all you got to do is say, God, there's just no way out. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is just, I've messed it all up. And then all of a sudden, God does that. And now, that's over. Because you... Empowered by God, all things are possible. This is how come the Bible says all things are possible to him who believes. So now I should have you confess that you just love your pastor so much. (laughs) And we've got to deal with this stuff because, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Because there's an enemy out there. And you might have had some bad things happen to you because of somebody else doing some stuff to you. But I'm here to tell you God is a healer, he's a restorer, and he's a protector, and he'll keep it from ever happening again. He's just got to get you to believe that. He'll remove the scar. He makes all things new. So the reason why I'm saying that is because there is no future in feeling sorry for yourself. I'm your pastor, and I have to tell you that. There's no future in feeling sorry for yourself. When you feel sorry for yourself, it keeps, it keeps revelation of God's word that you need to grow strong. It keeps it from you. Feeling sorry for yourself. It cuts you off. And that's why Satan will always talk to you about your circumstances and, well, how is this going to work? Forget all that. Why did this happen to me? Forget it. Doesn't matter why. I could tell you why. Let me just answer it. Because there is an enemy. There is a destroyer. And he will use people. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect your future. You can literally walk free where God makes all things new. Can you say that? Yes. See, here's the problem. God is not moved by your feelings, by feeling sorry for yourself. It literally does not move God. It can't move him. Come on, reach it. Now, what do I mean? Does he not care? No, 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 no. He cares so much. It moved him. And that's why he sent Jesus to take care of all of it. He knew what might be happening to you. He knew what would happen to you in this life. He couldn't stop it because he has to allow what man allows. But, oh, he's got a plan, and this thing's almost over. But while we're here, I'm telling you, he, he was moved so much by what happened to you that he sent Jesus, and he solved everything. Now, though, now you have to get in faith. You have to believe him. God's not moved by our feeling sorry for ourselves. He's not moved by despair. Why? Why is he not moved? Because these things are all manifestations of unbelief. God's not moved by unbelief. He is moved by faith. That's why. Feeling sorry for yourself, despair, discouragement, all this sadness, all of these things 
are manifestations of unbelief. They're manifestations of the fact that your eyes are not on the right thing. But if you'll literally just get your eyes on him, he's so full of life. Everything about him produces faith. It will move you from that to where now you can start receiving everything you need for you to stand up as a New Testament believer in your authority in the name of Jesus and change everything in your life. The righteous will be repaid in the earth, Proverbs eleven thirty one says. Well, how does that happen? Does it happen automatically? No. It happens when you get revelation of his word and you in faith go, Father, I believe that I receive all that was stolen from me. He's got to bring it back. I thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And now God sends angels and he's moving and he'll bring it all back. It's like he told Moses, Moses, why are you crying to me about this Egyptian army? Use, use what I gave you. Use a staff, which was a type of the name of Jesus. Part the Red Sea. Could Moses part the Red Sea? No, it says he took the staff and listened, and he, and he used the staff, and it says then God parted the Red Sea. Same thing for you. You go to God, oh God, please, can you please take this sickness out of my body? He, that doesn't move him, because that's a manifestation of unbelief. Because he already moved 2,000 years ago and took the sickness out of everybody's body. But now he's got to get the believer to hear the word so that faith could be birthed. And all of a sudden the believer goes, wait a minute. He said he carried this arthritis so, and he bore it and carried it so I don't have to. So now, Father, I just receive my healing. Arthritis, you got to leave in Jesus' name for it is written, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And when you're speaking that, God does it. He performs it. It's the way it works. But see, that's why we have to have a strong spirit so that we'll stand up in this. See, this is what we have to be careful for. Because many have gotten things from their parents, family, and friends by pouting. Right? And we think that's okay, but that's not okay. Because the little cute, I mean... Asher and Micah, are you kidding me? They start, oh, Papa. I'm, I'm, I'm like, yes, what in the world do you want? But, you know, I've gotta, I've gotta, we've, we've got to teach them you don't get it by pouting. Because if you do that, when you're 25 or 30, you're pouting, and pouting doesn't work because it's not faith. This doesn't please God. To operate with God You've got to be positive and operate in faith. Right? So we need to teach and model this to our children, our grandchildren, to the children in our church. All this stuff. See, God draws near to you as you operate in faith. Know this, and I'll kind of finish up with this. Hallelujah, there's some scriptures. You should write this down. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah 8.10, the Bible says at the end of this verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. strength is all, spiritual strength is always tied to joy. Proverbs 15, verse 23. Now we're closing now. I know. What does it mean when a preacher says he's closing? Absolutely nothing. No, I am actually closing. Yeah. <laughs> Proverbs 15, 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good is it? So how do you have joy? See, if you want to walk in joy, you've got to use your mouth. So when you're not feeling joyous, you can use your mouth and you'll have joy by the answer of your mouth. Notice it says, by the answer of your mouth. What? It's like something's talking to you and you've got to answer it. But you know, stuff's always talking to you. Remember Jesus? Jesus. 
He sees a fig tree, should have figs on it. He walks up, if happily he might have figs for breakfast. And that tree said to him, you're not eating for breakfast today. The Bible says he looked at the tree, it had no figs, and he answered the tree. Right? you got to answer these things. Isaiah 12, verse 3. Isaiah 12, 3. This is a powerful one. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. You have a well on the inside of you. And in that well is all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Everything is on the inside of you. Your future is not in front of you as a Christian. It's on the inside of you. And how do you draw it out? With joy. Now you start to see why most people are not drawing it out. Because they're not in joy. Yeah, but you don't know what's happening in my life. Answer it. Look at these circumstances and say, no, I'll never be afraid of that. No, 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 no. Father, I thank you that you always cause me to triumph. That you always, you make a way where there's no way. You are my shepherd. I never lack. And what starts happening is the joy of the Lord starts strengthening you. Well, we might as well just finish this wonderful sermon in the book of Job. Can anything good come out of Job? Check this out. Job chapter 22, verse 21. Verses 21 through, verses through verse 28. Look at, what, look at what it says. It says, acquaint now thyself with him. Talking about God. Hey, acquaint yourself with God and be at peace. When you acquaint yourself with God, it brings peace into your life. Thereby good shall come unto thee. When you acquaint yourself with God. Do you know how you acquaint yourself with God? The word. You acquaint yourself with the word of God. Verse 22. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth. New Testament believer. Receive, I pray thee, the word from his mouth. Whose mouth? God's mouth. And lay up his words, God's words, in your heart. Now for anybody who's messed up here tonight, it says this. If you return to the Almighty, you shall be built up. And everybody who's ever made a mistake, I'll just start out, thank you. Because when I return to him, it doesn't say I might be, it says I will be built up. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Then, thou, then shalt thou lay up gold as dust and the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. That's interesting. In other words, your prosperity is literally dependent on your degree of faith more than anything else. Wow, that's interesting. Now this was only written, this was, now this was penned by Moses about Job, who was the wealthiest man on the planet. It says, yea, the Almighty shall be your defense, and you'll have plenty of silver. For then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty. In other words, if you acquaint yourself with him, if you speak his word, it says, then you'll have the delight, thy delight in the Almighty. See, if you don't acquaint yourself with him, if you don't feed on the word of God, you will not have your delight in the Almighty. You'll have your delight in all the other stuff in the world, which doesn't produce anything. Can you see that? And thou shalt lift up thy face unto God. In other words, 
when you're acquainting yourself with him, when you're speaking his word, when you're feeding on his word, not only are you built up, but you'll lift your face up to him. You'll get your eyes off yourself. You'll get your eyes off all the junk going on in your life. And you'll do Roman or Hebrews 12. You'll fix your eyes on him. Right? Thou shalt, verse 27, we're almost done. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay, pay thy vows. Thou shalt also, now look at this, we always quote this one. Look at the end result of this. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon your ways. Wow. In other words, this is talking about like what in 1 John, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And if you know that he hears you, you know that you already have the petitions you've asked him. And the light shall shine upon your ways. What that is saying, that's making reference to Psalm 119 that hadn't been written yet. That his word is a lamp to your feet and it's a light to your path. This scripture is evidence of a strong spirit. It gives us a picture. Being strong and built up spiritually produces in you an eagerness to believe God. See, where everybody falls short in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24, where they fall short is... What things soever, this is verse 24, what things soever you desire, call for, require, make a demand for. See, some people, because they're not full of the word, you might need God to move, but it's almost like you can't stir up anything. You're just depleted. But man, when you're strong in spirit, you are running after him. You have an eagerness to believe God. See, I'll leave you with this statement. Faith, you've heard me say this before, faith is a rest that is evidenced by a strong spirit. The highest expression of faith is rest. And you can't rest if you're not spiritually built up.